This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and uh, we're thrilled to see that more of you are tuning into the show every week, and we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, To stay in the loop on all things related to Women to Watch, be sure to check out our website at womentowatch.net, and that's women2watch.net, N-E-T. Uh, We have a really wonderful show for you today, and we're going to have first up our guest who has done some amazing things, but most um, amazing to me is the fact that she survived Shark Tank. And not only did she survive, but she landed two investors, and we're going to be talking to her in just a moment. Her name is Alice Lewis, and she is the founder and CEO of Alice's Table. And um, it's, a, it's a lifestyle company that empowers women while creating communities around flower arranging. So we're going to have some, uh, some great fun with her. Um, as always, I want to give a quick thank you and shout out to Jefferson University Hospital and Baird Financial for their very generous support and sponsorship of the show. And be sure to stick around uh, for our Health Watch later in the show where Dr. Marianne Ritchie, of Jefferson is going to be stopping by to give us some really important information around sleep apnea, um, something I know a lot of people suffer from. So that's going to be a great segment as well. So let's get started with our very, very special guest who is calling into the show today. And again, her name is Alice Lewis, and she's the CEO and founder of Alice's Table. Alice, welcome to the show. Thank you. So nice to be here. It's great to have you. Where are you calling from? I am actually calling. I'm on my way to a um, lecture at Brown this afternoon. So oh, I'm wow. from Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, wow! You you're a busy lady, um, doing an interview before your before your speech at Brown. That's awesome. Trying to stay busy, you know. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Listen, I want to give the listeners a little sense of who you are and where you came from, and I, I wanted to start off talking about. Uh, your upbringing in Chicago, and in particular, the inspiration that you have mentioned um, you've received from your mom, who was also an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My mom has an interior design and architecture firm in Chicago, and, you know, she grew the company from her basement um, with two little kids, my brother and I, um, and really was always just such a workhorse, right? Able to kind of balance it all and grow an incredible company, um, you know, later on in her career being recognized as an architectural digest, um, AD100, mm-hmm. um, architecture designer in the world. So, you know, such an inspiration to kind of watch from the beginning. Tell, how old were you, would you say, when you really recognized 
what your mom was accomplishing, not only running her own company, but raising children? You know, I think it's an evolution of understanding. I don't think it's something that you completely understand as a young child. I always knew my mom was working hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a unique um, young person from the standpoint that I think I always preferred to go and hang out at her office than I did to like go to soccer practice or any of those kids things. I would rather sit in a financial meeting and hear from her. Um, <laughs> and so that was <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Upbringing. Yeah. That's great. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. You know, so. we talk a lot or we hear a lot, I should say, in the news about, you know, the glass ceiling. So were you mm-hmm. is that something you were aware of that you felt um, you had any desire to be a part of breaking that glass ceiling? Or were you just kind of going about and doing um, pursuing your uh, your dreams? You know, I think I was never brought up to understand the glass ceiling, if that makes sense. Um, I was brought up in a world where my parents were entrepreneurs forging their own path mm-hmm. and never kind of in a world where there felt like limitations. It was always, you know, if you work hard enough, um, you will see the rewards and, and see the benefits of that hard work. Um, not to say that there aren't glass ceilings in, in certain industries and, um, you know, certainly there are challenges for women in business, but really with the mentality that you can do anything you set your mind to, I think is so important. Well, that's a great message. You know, and I I would say, I think one of the positives about um, the era we're in is that young women are hearing that more and more, not just in their home, but, you know, outside of the house. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. And so you went off to the University of Pennsylvania, which is right here in our hometown. And uh, you studied visual studies and consumer psychology. Tell me what that is. Tell me what that is. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's quite the title, right? Yeah. Um, So visual studies um, was kind of broken into three parts. Penn has lots of um, dual kind of dual majors that are combined into one. So visual studies was art, art history, and then visual neuroscience. So basically how we see what we see. Um, And then consumer psychology was the only way for someone in the college to study at Wharton. Um, And so it was kind of marketing and philosophy psychology. Um, And I felt that it was really important while at Penn to take advantage of the incredible resource that Wharton is. Yes. I mean, it's one of the finest schools. And, um, you know, I think psychology is beneficial in any field or any industry. It probably gave you a leg up on, on the work that you're doing. Absolutely. You know, I I coach a lot of our um, women who have launched businesses within Alice's Table on the fact that your job as an entrepreneur or as a as a business person in any field is to understand the person on the other side of the table. Right. To understand their needs and wants so that you can better fit your product or story to what they need. That's right. Uh, If you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Alice Lewis, the founder and CEO of Alice's Table. And um, so then you went on, Alice, to get your master's um, in art business from Sotheby's in New York. Tell me, what was your very first job out of school? Yeah, so I started actually working while I was in college. Um, I would commute to New York City uh, for two days a week and work at an art gallery. Um, which was such a rewarding experience to really have that kind of work experience even before you graduate college. Um, so that was my first 
real job and then went to New York for graduate school. And I thought I was going to be in the art world. I was really committed to that um, as a young person and went to work for a startup called InCollect. Um, which was aggregating antique and fine art dealers onto an online platform. So it was a tech-enabled um, art-based business. Okay. And um, I, I think it's so cool that at some point you kind of just recognized this need for um, flexible and creative jobs for women. Was there an experience within your own career that, you know, kind of um, happened and the light bulb went off for you? Yeah, so for me, I was really starting to um, understand the tech industry a little bit more. I had been in it for a few years and um, was watching the gig economy grow um, and watching it expand. And I had this moment where I just moved into a house with my now husband. We had gotten a puppy and, you know, trying to manage kind of all of the things that life um, was bringing on and realized how easy it would be for someone to step out of the workforce. Um, I'm such a workhorse that I think it's never in my DNA not to not to be a working person. Um, but I realized the desire and it was kind of this aha moment that made me start to understand um, the stay at home mom community or pe- millennials that are looking for side hustles. Um, and I really became committed to understanding that population and the, the needs and wants um, of that group of people who are looking for something that's fun and creative, but they also make money doing. Yeah, that's um, that's such a great awareness. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to find out where that confidence came from um, that allowed you to venture out into entrepreneurship. We'll be right back. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbear.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Women to Watch on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm joined today by Alice Rossiter. Is that correct, Alice? Lewis? I want it. Rossiter Lewis. Rossiter, yes. yes. Just Lewis is fine. Okay. Alice Lewis. Alice Lewis, founder and CEO of Alice's Table. And, you know, I know in all of my research um, on you and, and doing my homework, I can certainly see your energy and the fact that you work hard and you, and you seem to enjoy it. What I want to find out is where the confidence comes from um, in you to do that. And at a young age, you know, really have accomplished something noteworthy. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, my confidence stems from the fact that I think we all 
have successes and failures, right? And recognizing the things that you're not good at is just as important as the things that you're good at. Um, and I try to encourage my team to do the same thing is say, you know, what do you excel in and um, how can we leverage that as an asset? And what do you need help with or do you not do so well? Um, and how do, we, how do we help foster that? And and I would imagine as well, you know, seeing your mom and, and her success in a career uh, as well as being a mom um, was a great example, something that you could see and not just hear. Certainly, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that it takes a lot of hard work and that everything doesn't go your way, but um, confidence is built over time and you um, are really nervous the first time, you know, you do a radio show even like this and then by the fourth or fifth or sixth time, it feels like, you it, know, you know what you're up to. Right. That's right. It's fun, right? So, exactly. Yeah. You Listen, you had um, used a phrase in the first segment, gig, gig economy, G-I-G. I wonder if you can explain yeah. to the listeners what that means. I'm assuming some may not. Absolutely. So the gig economy is um, really the um, group of businesses like the Ubers, Lyft, Handy, um, the companies where people can log on and work for as long as they want to and then log back off. Um, So it's really a self-driven business where you could work for two hours one day and then five hours the next. And it's totally your own decision. Right. Um, Listen, I want to give a quote, something that you said. Um, You said, I want to build communities that prioritize living well and working hard, and the possibilities are endless. Yep. Why why this mission? So I think that we right now have a culture that talks about, well, you know, you can have it all, but you kind of can't because if you're really committed to your job, you know, you shouldn't have any time to do anything else. Um, And I don't think that that's the case. I think that, you know, I work incredibly hard. I, um, you know, motivated and driven by my career, but I still make time to go home at night and cook dinner for my family and, you know, sleep enough and all of those things. And if you're enjoying what you're doing, um, it all blends together. So I think living well is deciding what's important to you and making sure that you fit those things into your life. You know, and I would say that today I think there's so much more opportunity for women in particular to do that with technology mm-hmm. and um, and what you just described, this, this gig economy. We didn't have all of these different um, choices years ago. Right. Well, and, and that was really what I kind of identified as the use case or the business case for Alice's Table was that there were all of these, you know, gig economy companies popping up, but nothing that caters to women and to the creative, beautiful lifestyle that they want to live, right? Who doesn't want to go and um, learn how to flower arrange or teach their friends how to flower arrange um, and enjoy what they're doing? Yeah, so let's talk about the company. Um, tell us yeah. about what, tell us, explain the business model for the listeners. Yes, yeah. so Alice's Table empowers women to launch their own businesses. So we give them all of the tools to launch that's training, materials, um, and access to our platform, which is technology that helps you manage your events from booking, payment processing, contracting, all the way through to flower ordering. And once you've 
started your business with Alice's Table, you get to teach flower arranging classes in your community. So um, at bars and restaurants or people's homes, similar to the paint parties that I'm sure you've seen, um, but that with flower arranging. Okay. And, you know, here's a question I have for you. you as a creative, how are you with money, managing money and the, and the finances of the business? Yes, that's a great question. Um, so I am a very frugal person. Um, I've always been a very frugal person. I think um, money is power. And so using it as fuel to, to light your business is really important. Um, all that being said, I'm extremely fortunate um, because my brother actually is our head of finance. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> and yes, so he's been around um, since the very beginning, you know, initially on kind of a consulting basis, and now he's uh, full-time with us, which is um, incredible. And I'm really fortunate to have, you know, kind of a family member who I really trust in the business as well. Yeah, and, you know, working with family is can be a tricky thing. It's good and bad. Um, do you guys get along fairly well? Are there ever things that you, you know, have a different view on? We get along really well. I think um, what's so great is that we're very different, and we've always been very different um, since, you know, growing up. And so we recognize each other's strengths and weaknesses and play to those. You know, that's not to say that we don't um, have things that we disagree on, but that's healthy in a company to make it the best thing that it can possibly be. That's right. And no one knows you like your sibling. That's right. True. That's very true. <laughs> um, so listen, I was first um, I first recognized you and your work when I was, you know, doing some research. Well, actually, no, I did pick up on you from the show. So I'm a huge fan of Shark Tank. I, I think yeah. I, I've been there from the beginning. And I saw your episode. And first of all, I just I think it takes so much guts to walk into that atmosphere. Um, and have the confidence to not only present, but be prepared for any and all questions. How? Tell me how you were feeling because you did an amazing job and you didn't show one ounce of nerves. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's funny because all, everyone who knows me really well is like, you seem a little on edge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you and me too. <laughs> uh, it was scary. You know, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Anyone who tells you that it's not is, is just lying. Right. Um, right? You're walking into a room full of people. There are cameras on you. Um, luckily, you can't really see the cameras, so that's a huge oh, benefit. Oh, good. Good. But... It's certainly nerve-wracking. Um, I was really fortunate to have just gone through an accelerator program. Um, and an accelerator program, for um, those not familiar, is, is something that kind of takes a company and helps them get out of the incubation stage and, and really um, build and grow and um, and prosper through kind of mentorship and, and other tools like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd just gone through an accelerator program called Techstars um, in Boston. And one of the great things about Techstars is that they make you pitch your business on like an hourly basis, pretty much. Okay. Um, you know, you never know what's coming at you. You never know what investor or advisor or person is going to walk through the door. Um, so it really keeps you on your toes. And allows you to settle into your description of your business. It's important to practice pitching over and over and over again until you nail that right pitch. 
That's exactly right. And be able to say simply and in a sentence what it is, right, that you do. Uh, We're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to hear all about um, your relationship with Mark Cuban and Sarah Blakely and how they've helped you. We'll be right back. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back. You're listening to Women to Watch on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Sue Rocco, and I'm joined this afternoon by Alice Lewis, the founder and CEO of Alice's Table. And um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you are one of the few that landed a deal in the Shark Tank, and it was with Mark Cuban and Sarah Blakely. And I think, wow, what an incredible combination of expertise for you. And tell me, tell me a little bit about how they've helped you. So it's been, it was such an um, exciting moment to get both Mark and Sarah um, kind of on board. I think um, the show can go in a lot of different directions. You never know what the outcome is going to be um, when you walk in. But to have uh, Mark Cuban, whose expertise really is in um, the tech space and kind of venture capital and, and those areas, um, is so beneficial to us as we really do fundamentally view ourselves as a technology business. We're a tech-enabled um, brand. And so having that foundation and that understanding is really important to us. And then on the flip side, to have Sarah, um, whose expertise really is in retail and, and consumers and um, and female buyers, right? Um, right, yeah. Which is, so important to us as well. So the combination really has synergy for us. Have they been able to help with your just your general um, kind of promotion and outreach and, and getting people to, to know that you're here through social media? Yeah, so Shark Tank has had such a such a large impact on our business. Um, we tripled the number of execs that we had. Execs are, are women who have launched their businesses. Um, mm-hmm. We tripled the number of women who launched their businesses within three weeks of the show. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. So it's really been an incredible um, journey. And just to have the recognition um, and also, you know, with our investors and advisors and other people kind of supporting the company, for them to have another um, kind of stamp of approval from um, such marquee investors like Mark and Sarah has been an incredible help for the company. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, your presence in the country? How many execs do you have and and how many um, cities are you in? Yep. So we're in 39 states at this point. um, And we have just over 300 women that have launched their businesses with us. Um, so we're doing a couple hundred parties every week um, and, you know, growing every day. Wow. You know, when you got that big leap um, from being on the show, it must have been overwhelming to manage. Um, or was it not? It, it wasn't too overwhelming. And the reason it wasn't too overwhelming, and I think it's a really important um 
thing when you think about growing a business is you have to be strategic in managing your team's effort and energy. They can't do everything, right? Mm -hmm. So there are some things that we had to pull back on, some strategic initiatives that we were working on that we needed to say, okay, this is going to have to be on the back burner. Um, And we need all hands on deck interviewing um, new prospective execs because we knew that that was going to be the first thing that comes in. So we put measures and metrics in place um, to help everyone realize that we know that some of the things that are normally on your plate are going to slip through the cracks, but actually it's okay. It's not that important because this is the big rock that the whole team is moving forward. And that clarity um, within a group is really important. Mm, I I think that's such a great attitude as well that you have. Um, Tell me about, it's always important, you know, to learn from um, the things that don't go the way we want. And I'm wondering if there's, there was a particular roadblock on your way to building this company that you recall um, that you learned a great lesson from. Yeah, so I think there's always um, roadblocks. And one of the hardest things about um, entrepreneurship is that the the roadblock always moves, right? You think, oh my gosh, if I get through this hurdle, we'll be totally fine. And then by the time you get to the point where you're kind of accomplishing that. <laughs> another um, one comes knocking. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems irrelevant because there's another giant roadblock already in your way. Right, um, yeah. I, And that's what I've learned is just to kind of ride the wave and be okay with things not going according to plan. Um, A giant roadblock, one of the things that was the hardest for me um, was actually fundraising initially. I really didn't enjoy it. Um, I didn't like it. Um, It's hard. It's uh, hard to convince people that you are the right, um, you know, the right person to carry this vision forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, once you get momentum, you start to feel good about it, and it makes a lot more sense. But it was um, it's a learned skill, for sure. And people who say, you know, going out and raising capital for a startup is easy, they're not. Um, either they're incredible, and I'd love to learn from them, or, um, you know, it's always a slog. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I think it's more about finding people who believe in you. Absolutely. Right? It definitely is about finding people that believe in you, um, but also finding enough of those people that believe in That's you right. and right. accepting rejection <clears throat> in a way that um, that gets you on to the next. So tell, what is your mantra then? Because I think that, you know, we all know that life throws curveballs and, you know, that we have to learn to roll with it. But sometimes it's harder um, to do. And I think that women in particular, I think we, you know, we kind of talk to ourselves. We have messages in our in our mind that help us through the times where we're feeling insecure. Um, what do you have a mantra, something that you remind yourself of during those times? Um, I always like to say that life is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and I say that about work-life balance. I say that about a lot of things in my life that, you know, this sprint might not be the best, but there's another one coming up. Um, and, and life is long. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I think a lot about um, the younger generation. I have two. 
uh, millennials, I guess they're they're kind yeah. of just on the cusp. And I see a difference in their um, outlook and in their pursuits. And there seems to be this kind of a demand for um, a healthier balance between work and um, personal lifestyle. You know, what? why do you think we're seeing that now, today? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. Um, I agree. I see it all the time now in hiring new people. Um, they're interested in this balance. Um, but also, I think it's really important to remind all of us, I'm I, um, on the older end of the millennials, um, that balance comes when you really love what you do. Um, because when you love what you do, you then, it kind of melds into your personal life, right? And, and you feel much more balanced. So finding, taking the time to find something that you're passionate about is really important. It is. It is. And I think sometimes that's, that can be the toughest question. Um, I, I know as a young girl myself, I didn't, I didn't know what that was, right. you know, yep. what's my passion? What's my purpose? What do I love? And sometimes it's not that clear. Is No. Yeah. And it takes time to find, right? right? I think we all think that we should come out of college and know what we want to do with our lives. And um, I've been advising a couple young women and saying to them, look, your first job out of college, your first like three years out of college, all you're learning how to do is be you know, work for a company and be a good employee and show up and, and those skills that allow you to figure out what you want to do, because just adjusting to the workforce takes time. That's right. That's right. So true. You, you know, we just, we get out and we just want a paycheck <laughs> right. so that we yeah. can prove that our money was well spent. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. It should be, you know, a time to explore, um, certainly through college and then uh, when we get out as well. And I think we need to remind young people of that. Sometimes yep. the clarity comes much later. Um, I wanted to talk to you and find out what, not not so much about the Me Too movement, whether any experiences have happened to you, but whether you think this whole movement and awareness has helped women, or do you think it hasn't really made a difference? What do you mean, the Me Too movement? You know, the... Um, the awareness of what's been going on throughout all of the industries with uh, harassment of women in the workplace. And so the conversation, um, there seems to be, people aren't clear whether it's something that's helping women or has it not made a difference? You know, I think that it's certainly made a difference from the standpoint of we all have heard about harassment. We're all highly aware of it now. Um, but also, I think it's important to not get too um, hypersensitive, right? We all have to show up and do good work every single day. And um, thinking that you can do anything and showing up and proving it is really important. And if we, you know, look for things like harassment in the workforce all the time, we can find them really easily. Mm. And so I caution women oftentimes, yeah, there are blatant cases that are horrible, awful. We've heard tons of those. But you also have to focus on your goals and achieving those goals and hopefully overcoming those obstacles along the way. Right. I I agree. Um, We're going to take another break. And and when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the future of your company, where you see things going and what might be around the corner. 
Uh, I'm joined this afternoon by Alice Lewis, founder and CEO of Alice's Table on Women to Watch. We'll be right back. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. You're listening to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm speaking with Alice Lewis, the founder and CEO of Alice's Table, which is a lifestyle business and... um, I just think a very timely, timely business uh, model that you've come up with, Alice. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the future of your company and where you see things going. So we really are committed at this point just to helping as many women launch their businesses as we possibly can. Um, So we've had, you know, a number of women launch with us to date, but helping them not only grow their businesses, but also bring new women into the fold um, who have launched, you know, their flower arranging class businesses as well. Do you think there are other um, types of activities that can fit into this same model? Certainly, certainly. That is coming down the pipeline um, slowly but surely. You know, we want to, we don't want to move too quickly. One of the... um, you know, issues that I think a lot of startups face is that they try to do too much too quickly. Um, Mm. So we're staying focused with flowers right now. Okay. Um, But there are are future product lines in our our site. That's great. And I know, you know, you have to be careful too. I know you can't talk about, a company can't give all their secrets away. um, Yeah. Right? Particularly on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want everyone to know what's what's coming up. Um, Got to keep something for a surprise. That's right. That's right. Here's a question for you. Tell me, um, in your dealings with Sarah in particular, was there something, a piece of advice she shared with you that, you know, you thought, wow, that's really a great piece of advice? I think one of the things that Sarah is um, so incredible at is listening to her customers um, and letting her customers guide her um, business endeavors, right? So she understands what women are looking for um, in their shapewear, and she listens and observes in a really um, intelligent way. And so learning from that and, and learning to be hyper aware of what your customers are asking for mm-hmm. is a really important lesson. Yeah. What do you think it is about women in particular that makes us good entrepreneurs? Well, actually, I think it's just that. I think listening is a really important thing. I think women um, tend to listen um, and be a little bit more um, gun shy, right? We, we kind of think things through all the way to the end um, and understand our customers before we make a move, um, which makes us particularly strong um, as entrepreneurs. 
You know, I see that it, it, that is a commonality um, of women everywhere. You know, we we have women actually tuning into this show from all around the world. And um, it's always interesting to me, women from many different cultures sharing that same, um, I would say, desire to listen and, and learn, mm-hmm. right? And not, and not just assume that um, we have all the answers. Right, right. Um, and, you know, being able to be open enough to be surprised by your customer is mm. really important. Yeah. Um, you know, there have been some moments where I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's how my customer feels. Okay. You know, we can we can help that. We can foster that or we can, you know, build a product to fix that. Um, but being open enough to hear them is really important. Yeah, I agree. And I would imagine you hear a lot of feedback from your execs. You know, obviously they're out there doing it. They're in the field and they must be full of suggestions and new ideas. Absolutely. All the time. Um, And one of the things that we really encourage as a company is open communication, right? Because they are the front lines with the customer. Um, So understanding what they're hearing, what they're seeing, um, what customers are saying, super important to our growth. Um, And also to the longevity of a business, right? If you don't, um, if you just launch and you have a successful product today, if you're not listening to your customers to help you grow and and evolve the business, then you're not going to be around very long. You know, you mentioned you're on your way to speak at Brown. What can you talk about what you're going to be speaking on? Yeah, so I'm um, talking about pitching and how to pitch your business idea. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned tech stars. Um, I'd love to give that info out to the listeners in case there's, I know there are some aspiring entrepreneurs out there. Is, Absolutely. Yeah, is that a good, um, uh, the, the Techstars is a, what's the word? It's not an incubator, it's a... Um, it's an accelerator. Accelerator, so yes, yes. Techstars um, is one of the, um, you know, kind of the preeminent accelerator um, in the world. And they have locations um, across the world, actually, now. Um, and so you can apply to different programs. Um, but I encourage you to check it out. You can, you know, Google Techstars and you'll find it right away. Um, but they're certainly a, an incredible program that um, works hard to foster um, incredible entrepreneurs and, and support CEOs as they could have um start their their first or you know fifth venture right Right. that's right it sometimes one leads to another you know we get excited and and enjoy it and that could happen for you alice i could could. i could could. see that happening for you i've Uh, learned never to expect you know what's happening next that's right well listen we're going to let you go and best of luck at brown thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story it's a great one thank you Women to watch. Women to watch. Now, Sue Rocco. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Women to Watch on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And uh, I just really enjoyed that interview with Alice from Alice's Table. What a go getter she is. We're now joined by our weekly health contributor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, who's going to be talking to us about sleep apnea, another. Um, issue that I think is pretty common out there. Yes, thanks, Sue. It is a serious and common disorder, which involves a temporary interruption of your breathing, especially during sleep, which results in no exchange of air between your lungs and the environment. It's important because it puts patients at risk for poor cognitive performance, meaning an inability to concentrate, and these repeat disruptions of sleep are not good for your brain, and these episodes of low oxygen or hypoxia 
bump your risk for stroke, heart attack, abnormal heart rhythms, type 2 diabetes, even fatty liver, not to mention car accidents, people dozing at the wheel, and costly mistakes at work and home. And the cause, we think, is a functional collapse of the soft palate or the roof of your mouth where it meets the pharynx or the opening to the throat and airway. And there's a cutoff of air despite ongoing efforts to breathe. The result? Snoring and then during the wakeful hours, sleepiness. And I guess the classic we hear often is nighttime choking or gasping for air. But women seem to be more likely to report insomnia or just the sleepiness during the day. Why do you think we're seeing such an increase in this? Well, there is a pretty common tie with people who are overweight or obese if they gain um, excess weight in the neck area, the neck circumference grows, or if certain uh, facial structures put people at risk, like those who have a small uh, lower jaw, people with enlarged tonsils or adenoids or any kind of chronic nasal congestion, any of these factors can lead to apnea or, or episodes where you stop breathing. So get a sleep study. Treat yourself. That's our message every week. Treat yourself like a diva. If you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. A sleep study sounds like a, a sleep study good sounds thing to like do. heaven. I'm going to study sleep today. So Dr. Carl DeGramji at the Jefferson Sleep Center, a superstar, years of experience with sleep disorders. Formerly, the tests had to be done at the center, but a lot of times now they can be done in the comfort of your home. And the other common complaint is a mask. I will not wear that to sleep. It'll wake me up. But guess what? There are so many treatment options, several external devices, mouth appliances, sometimes surgery, but sometimes just losing weight and changing a medication in your regimen will help. But the newest therapy is Inspire. A little electrode is attached to the hypoglossal nerve that moves your tongue forward and opens your airway. It's a handheld remote. You set it for a 30-minute delay. You fall asleep. Then the system senses your breathing and starts to trigger your tongue to move forward and open your airway. It's fantastic. This nerve only controls the motion of the tongue, not sensation, so you don't get any pain or any shocks. Dr. Mal Boone, B-O-O-N, a Jefferson ear, nose, and throat surgeon, stellar physician, has the most experience of any one person or any center in the world. Jefferson. Sweet dreams. For more information, go to 1-800-JEFF-NOW. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here at the same time on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.